You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to Archaeotech, episode 18. On today's episode, Chris Sims and I discuss GIS apps for smartphones and tablets. Most of the ones we're talking about we've used on Apple platforms, although they are usually available on Android platforms as well. If you've got any recommendations for GIS apps you've used and that do what we say they want them, we want them to do in this episode, then leave a comment or leave a comment on iTunes, leave a comment on the website, or talk to us on our various social media platforms. All right, on to the show. All right, welcome to the Archaeotech Podcast. This is Chris, and I've got Chris next to me. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> good, good. So uh, we're drinking a, a fine uh, Kentucky bourbon. This is Bullet Bourbon, uh, bottled in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've never had this before, and it's uh, it's pretty tasty. So today, we are going to talk about GIS apps, and anytime you talk about GIS, you need to drink heavily. So um, <laughs> we'll see how this goes by the end of it. Um, so we're only going to talk about a few of them. If you look on, say, the Apple uh, iTunes App Store or and most, most likely the Android, uh, Android Play Store, you're going to find a ton of apps that claim to be GIS apps, right? You're going to find a ton of stuff that says, hey, we're GIS, but yeah, yeah but full functionality GIS, probably not so much. There's so much to wade through in the uh, Apple Store. Yeah, there is. And I was looking for something. My my eventual goal for major field projects is to replace the Trimble. Um, now, you can do that with submeter accuracy, which isn't a problem. There's plenty of Bluetooth add-ons out there that will hook to any smartphone or tablet. They cost anywhere from $1,500 to $3,000. You'll get submeter accuracy. Uh, most of the good ones these days, once you connect to it via Bluetooth will just simply replace the coordinates that your device is normally giving you from its internal GPS with its coordinates. So you don't have to do anything special. You don't have to go to its application or anything like that. If you're reading coordinates in any app, if that thing is turned on, you're getting submeter accuracy. Now, you might not be able to see a lot of the data that you can see on like a Trimble, like like what kind of accuracy you're getting, how many satellites you're picking up, unless you flip over to their application. You know, so to, you'll probably have to do that would be my guess. Or unless you're using a GIS application, which I haven't seen yet, that actually incorporates those kind of data, you know, from the device. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that's not the problem. Submeter accuracy is not the problem. The problem is having a GIS app that actually does everything we want it to do. <laughs> and so far, I've asked on Facebook, I've asked on LinkedIn, I've asked other people that should know these things. Nobody's given me a solution that will totally replace the Trimble for me. Nobody's, Yeah. yeah. And we want to replace the Trimble because they've kind of cornered the market on uh, submeter accuracy in a usable format between their handheld units, the GOXH, uh, what is it, Explorer or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And their Pathfinder application, which is just maddening to use. Um, but those are very expensive and they're cost prohibitive to smaller firms or even academic or avocational applications. So, you know, we want to get into things that are readily available for cheap or hopefully free uh, so that we can, you know, start using this data in a presentable format. So we're out here surfing the uh, iTunes app store, and we've tried a few of these out. And uh, Chris, why don't you start us off with an app called Spectio? Will do. And let me just 
before I get too far into that, I want to add to something that you said on the reason I'm looking for this stuff. Not just everything Chris lined out, which is valid, but even for a much simpler reason for me, um, for the same reason I wanted an iPod and then an iPhone um, later on, is I like taking devices I'm already using and using them for other things so I can carry less crap with me. Because yeah. the less crap you have to carry with you, the less is going to break, blah, 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 right? So the Trimble, even though it's running uh, a version of Windows, um, is, is really still quite limited because... If you had all your site recording stuff on there, you had everything on there in the in the GPS device, and you could collect data that way, you're not going to be doing that because you're running a crew of four people, and one of those persons is using the Trimble to record the site geospatially while everybody else is doing that stuff. So unless you had like five Trimbles, <laughs> which yeah. just isn't going to work. So on our crews, we have all iPads. So my thought is all you'd have to do is give whoever's going to do the site mapping that day the Bluetooth submeter device and anybody with a tablet could record that site yeah you know and if you're like oh i'm done recording this site and the person wants to go take photos or go take points on um, diagnostic artifacts then you could just toss them the bluetooth submeter and they could go do their artifacts and take their points and you just collect it all in the end and it's done and that's that's what i want uh, ultimately so not to mention a Trimble's a big heavy piece of shit and everybody wants to get rid of it so um luckily they're not a sponsor of the uh, architect podcast yet <laughs> yes. I don't know if I would take it. I don't know if they. I, I definitely wouldn't take Esri if they contacted us and said, "Hey, can we advertise?" No, no, you can't. Um, yeah, maybe if they gave us free copies uh, of our GIS, that, maybe they could twist my arm. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'd hand out usernames and passwords for that. Um, <laughs> all right, so we're going to talk about Spectio, which is one I found. It's by a company called Ornicept Incorporated, um, and if you are smart unlike me and you read the name ornicept which i'm actually just realizing as i'm talking to you this right now a lot of their default um sort of forms that they have inside of their application to use have to do with collecting bird data oh. ornicept it's the bird <laughs> interceptor yes yes so and they had other stuff on there but most of it had to do with collecting information about birds and things like that i'm also realizing the screenshot here from the app store shows someone <laughs> pointing their ipad at a uh, wind turbine yeah which is you know the enemy of all amateur bird watchers right right so this thing is um you can collect field data with this. There's no getting around that. You can collect field data. The problem is export. Export's not very good. Um, it it won't export the types of shape files shape files that we need. Um, it says it will, uh, which is kind of a tricky thing here. It says it will, but what they don't tell you that um, what what's not mentioned anywhere on the iTunes App Store here is that only works on Android and um, Windows tablets. Uh. So. A lot of the functionality of this probably would work if you're using it on Android or Windows. So I was trying it on an iPad, and most of the stuff that they have just doesn't work. They say it does. It's all listed in the things that they said it says they can do, but it just doesn't work. And also, this isn't free. The app is free, but the service isn't free. Um, I'm trying to remember how much it was. I'll have to go to the website and put this in the field notes. But I want to say it was close to $100 um, a year, maybe, or something like that, which honestly isn't, isn't terrible. So... I, I can't really, I mean, I, I can't really speak to the Android side of this. Um, maybe it would be decent. Maybe it wouldn't be. I personally didn't like the functionality. I didn't like the way that it recorded shapefiles. Uh, it felt a little clumsy. It didn't seem like uh, on the iPad version that I could bring in a background file, which you're going to notice is a running theme throughout today's show. 
is background files. And let's, let's get into that just a little bit. So on our project currently, and there are projects where you might not need a background file, but on our, our project currently, we couldn't do this without being able to see our shape of our project area on our device in real time. Yeah. It's just too complicated. Yeah. Um, it's too geometrically complicated. There's previously recorded sites, uh, previously recorded roads, stuff like that. Not only that, but the way we're keeping track of our area is we'll digitize in a shape called our, you know, our survey coverage area. And the only way we can do that, really, I mean, you could figure out all your coordinates, I guess, and draw a shape in. But, um, you know, we use the, the shape of the background to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. This is, uh, like I said, I would suggest not getting this for archaeology if you're running on an iDevice. Um, but feel free to try it and tell us how it went out if you're running Android so or, or something else that this actually works on. <laughs> yeah, and we would love to have some feedback on, you know, any users of other platforms and other technologies, you know, and if you want to speak on the show, contact us through the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other thing, I did actually speak to the people behind Ordicept, um, behind Spectio, and that's S-P-E-C-T-E-O. It's all in the show notes. Um, I actually spoke to them. They're a really small company. Um, I think they're out of Minnesota, judging by the accents I got on the phone. But uh, or somewhere around in there, and the thing about them being a small company is not that big a deal. But when you're talking about a small app developing company that's trying to, you know, that has a free app but that actually doesn't work unless you pay for the subscription, um, I could see how that could fail easily. Like if they don't get enough users, they just they just fold, and all of a sudden you're not supported anymore. Yeah. So there's always that. All right. Well, let's move into another one. Um, We've got one here that Chris has used that you guys have probably all heard of, and it's ArcGIS by Esri. Um, so go ahead, Chris. Tell us a little about this. Yeah, so Esri, uh, as anybody who's used a GIS platform, probably the ArcGIS platform that uh, dominates the GIS scene, um, they have an iPad-friendly version of ArcGIS, and uh, it's pretty good for quite a few functions it's not as powerful as the windows based um uh, arcgis platform and uh, i'm just looking now at the uh, notes on the uh, apple app store Uh, this thing is also available for the iphone as well as the ipad and uh, so i use this personally in a study i did on urban community gardens and it was really good. One of its big strengths was pulling out demographic uh, data for discrete areas. So if you can form a polygon in the app, you can pull out all of the demographic data for it. So in this case, in the urban community gardens, I would locate the community garden and then try to pull out demographic data from the neighborhood surrounding it. What? Hold on. This is demogra- This is data coming from Esri's database. Uh, no, it was coming from census data. So they're oh. pulling in layers from the most recent census. And you can even look back in time if you can find the data file, which brings me to one of the weaknesses is it's really, really clunky to find layers and files. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not very efficient to use in the field or even you know back in your office or home, wherever you're finding the stuff that you need to go out in the field with. Um, that being said, like you kind of need to have everything lined up 
before you go out in the field, which makes it not very functional in the field. Um, but you know, when you're gathering stuff out in the field and then coming back, which is kind of the way I did, I would find points and make polygons and then work with them after the fact. Um, that's not very functional for most archaeological applications though. Um, another weakness is that you can't easily import background files, uh, which is something Chris mentioned earlier. Uh, we need that in the field when we're doing archaeology. Um, and so I would say don't use this in the field, but if you're going to do something in an urban environment um, where you can kind of have the uh, pace of being able to find your files before you go out and, you know, you have more readily available files, uh, maybe Esri's ArcGIS app for the iPad is good to use, if, especially for, like, demographic functions, but it's pretty weak in terms of, like, creating shape files, creating metadata, creating points, stuff like that, and exporting it, um, as Chris mentioned with the previous act, uh, Spectio, uh, the exporting feature just makes the app crash all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a little frustrating, uh, but it was good for what I used it for, um, which was simply demographic data, which, you know, if you can find a use for any of the preloaded files and layers, it's solid. But otherwise, no, don't expect it to solve your problems in the field. Now, one thing um, I think I've seen in there in this application, but I've never used it before, is um, does it not have the does it have the ability to um, if you've got like a like a GIS FTP site or something like that, um, can it link to that? Yes. So if you do have that set up, you can import from the server, uh, and that's something that you know some people don't have the knowledge to do that, and you know working with other people, it, it could be quite difficult, but you know, if you're able to set that up, then it could be pretty powerful if if you've got all of the files that you need on your FTP. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So something that uh, might work for some things, but won't work for a lot of what we do, which, yeah, yeah that we're finding is going to be a theme to this uh, show. Yeah, especially in remote areas where you can't find, you know, like cell coverage or Wi-Fi coverage, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, this app is, is pretty vulnerable to the you know, the conditions that we find in the field, usually in archaeology. Right. Because a lot of that data that you had in there is is being pulled down from servers. It's not downloaded Correct. with the application. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I'm noticing, um, and if there's <laughs> if there happens to be any app developers listening out there, um, the only thing I want to do is collect three types of features, points, lines, and polylines, and uh, put a background behind them and export them. That's yeah. it. <laughs> that's that's all I want to do right now, and it seems to be the most difficult thing to find. Yeah, there's like three steps. Import your background file, create your shape files, and then export that stuff. Yeah. Simple, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. We For just, some reason, this just isn't happening. It should only cost about $50,000 for us to make that app. Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Jump change, right? The cost of 10 trimbles. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that really puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I don't even know if you could get 10 trimbles with, for $50,000 because you'd need the uh, Pathfinder license, the TerraSync license, all that stuff. Man, we might just have to build an app. All yeah. right. 
Well, let's take a short break. Uh, speaking of iPads, listen to this iPad mini promo, which you're going to get sick of until you uh, go out there and do what it says so you can try to win this iPad. Just do it. Win the iPad. <laughs> Just do it. Yeah. We will not load any of these applications on it for you. Actually, maybe we will, but for a significantly high cost. All right. Back in a second. Hello, everyone. Chris Webster here from the Archaeology Podcast Network, and we're giving away an iPad Mini 4 to one of our listeners. The iPad Mini 4 came out in September. It's a 16-gigabyte space gray iPad with AT&T cellular-ready antenna. All that means is it comes with GPS. You do not need to get a data plan. And you don't even need to be on AT&T if you never get a plan to get a data plan. It just has GPS. It also has a fingerprint sensor and Apple Pay ready and all the good perks that come with that. So it's a good iPad. We use them in the field. There are two easy ways to enter. One, do a Profiles and CRM interview before December 15th, 2015, or recommend someone for an interview. You'll both get an entry once the interview is posted. If you want to know more about Profiles and CRM, go to www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash profiles. All the questions are listed right there. The other way to enter is to like the APN Facebook page and share it with your friends on Facebook to get the word out about our awesome podcasts. The winner will be announced December 16th, 2015 at 4 p.m. Pacific time. So get your entries in, send me those emails for people that want to do the Profiles in Syrian podcast, and good luck to everyone. iMac, take us out with a binary solo. Okay, we're back and we're going to finish up and talk about two more applications, um, one of which is a GIS app. The other's not, but it's still fantastic. Um, actually, both of these apps I'm about to talk about, the only thing each one lacks is the thing the other one does. <laughs> <laughs> so if I, could, if I could bring these together, we'd have a fantastic application. This is uh, a common theme with <laughs> using the iPad in the field is you kind of uh, have to use multiple apps to accomplish you know, like your, yeah. your one workflow. Right. And the problem with GIS is you can't use multiple apps to accomplish your one workflow because you need it all to be right there. Yeah. Yeah. You just need it to be right there. So now we're going to go to the hated um, by some people, by some people, I don't know, maybe GIS people love them. I don't know. But Trimble, Trimble makes TerraSync. TerraSync is the software that most people use on the Trimble, I would say. Uh, you can use ArcPad, which we haven't talked about, but we may talk about in the future. But a lot of people just use TerraSync because it comes, I mean, Trimble makes TerraSync, so they're, they're kind yeah. of, you know, one in, the, one in the same. Now, Trimble also makes TerraFlex Mobile, okay, which I believe is $149 a year. I'll look back through my emails. I mean, uh, a month, $149 a month, um, which when you think about it is still way cheaper than your license for TerraSync and Pathfinder Office, which you need to run, to, you know, to process your data. Um so it's still cheaper, and you're not using a Trimble. You're using an iPad, okay? Now, here's another thing. It doesn't work on Android. It works on – and it actually, technically, doesn't work on iPad, okay? It, it's a blown-up version of the iPhone version. They have iPhone TerraFlex, but they don't actually have iPad. It will run on an iPad, but in, like, really huge 2X mode, which is slightly pixelated and stupid. I don't know why this company has decided to do this. But the way TerraFlex works is it doesn't work at all – Unless you're using the companion desktop application, um, and the desktop application is also called TerraFlex. So on the desktop application, you create your forms, they call it. 
And the forms are basically prompts for your field team. They say um, you can put different fields in there and say you're collecting different types of data or you have drop-down menus because they're, you know, maybe they're answering certain questions. They've got a lot of stuff in here about doing inspections on like light poles and stuff like that. Like what type of pole is it? What type of intersections <laughs> it at? You know, all this kind of crazy stuff. And, and tree inspection, which is right on the thing here. You know, the type of tree it is. Um, they've got whether or not it's, you know, to trim or monitor the tree, stuff like that. So basic questions you can ask yourself. Now, I was looking at this for archaeology, and you can make it work. You can do things like um, essentially think of the forms as a, as a data dictionary, and you can create something that says artifact, um, boundary, datum, stuff like that. Yeah. And the information you're collecting about it is either a description or, um, you know, the point itself or, uh, you know, whatever else you want to include with that piece of data. And then you take the point, and you're good to go. And each type of form... You can't have more than one type of point on that form. The form is either a point form, a polyline form, or a uh, an area form. You know that type of thing. The three standard features. So the biggest. So you can export these data. You can export your 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 information as a CSV file. You can export um, all this into the TerraFlex uh, desktop application, and then create shape files from that, which is handy, um, which you can read in any GIS program after that. The big problem is, like I said before, is that you can't put in a background map. And the, the funny thing is about this is on the desktop version, you can drop in. I just drag and dropped our, our, pro, our project boundaries, and I was like, oh, my God, this is totally going to work. Here's our project boundary. I'm recording points. Everything is looking great. I export everything I did, all the forms I created to the iPad, and guess what? Project boundary doesn't go. That tab that you can see on the, on the online version doesn't exist on the iPad version. It's just gone. And I called them up. Uh, well, actually, I texted, um, emailed back and forth with their support department. I was like, really? You can't do this? There's no way to bring in like a like a background. And she's like, well, you can convert your background shapefiles into a form, like they call it, and then import the form. But that doesn't help me because I can't record anything on top of that. I could just go look at it occasionally. But I can't look at, on the same screen, I can't look at the points I've collected and I can't look at my background shape files. Say previous points I've collected and points I've collected. I can't look at them simultaneously, which makes it useless. Yeah. Yeah. It also makes it useless to like citizen scientists who, you know, like hopefully we could take some of this technology out to the public, you know, for them to record if they're out in a national park or state park and they happen to find artifacts. It would be really cool if, you know, these apps that are, available to the public at large could also help us protect and save resources and, you know, maybe even gather some useful data along the way, you know, but in this case, you know, like not even the, the scientists like paying to use this thing (laughs) can, can use it for what they're trying to. Right. And you know what this looks like to me is a clear case of, uh, of a company, uh, a big company that has the ability to, hire developers in-house and create something um, on a very shoestring budget and and say, you know what? The buzzword out there right now is apps. Guess what we don't have? An app. <laughs> so they hired these developers. They, they created this application that does the obvious things, but it doesn't do anything useful, you know? Yeah. And that's what it feels like to me. That's what it... That's what it seems like. It seems like it's very minimal and it was not very well thought out. Um, that being said, it seems like... You know, the, one of the common things in app development these days is MVP, minimum viable product. 
and yeah. it's it's better to have good than perfect is a phrase you'll hear a lot of times and if that's the case now this was last updated on october 15th 2015 which is a really good sign which means they're still working on it um i like to see that that's also only three weeks after ios 9 came out so that's probably all they did was make sure it wasn't going to crash in ios 9 yeah check out the last version for the ArcGIS app it's uh embarrassing <laughs> August 6, 2013. <laughs> that is an unsupported application. Obsolete. Obsolete. How does it even run on iOS 9 is the question. It's probably not going to. I don't um, think it does. Later. It says compatibility, iOS 5 or later. I'm guessing they haven't changed that in a while either. No. So anything compatible with iOS 5 is probably going to crash on iOS 9. Yeah. Yeah. Or that tells you how ridiculously simple this app really is. Yeah. You know. All right. Simple, i.e. lacking features. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So anyway, what more can I say about this? Um, I, I think it'll I think it's a, an interesting application if you've got very specific things to do. Quite honestly, I think it would work well for shovel testing. If you didn't need yeah. to have your background on there and you had like just like a paper map or whatever that showed you where your boundaries were and you just wanted to collect shovel test data, you could actually turn these forms into your shovel test form and collect the point. Yeah. You know, I, I think it would work well for that. But it doesn't work well for our block survey purposes and, and major site recording purposes just because you need to be able to see the background. You need to be able to see what you've done, you know, and you just you just can't do that with this. Um, it's not possible. So, And it's expensive. Um, if you're just using it for shovel testing, I'd find it hard to justify, justify. those costs. Yeah. yeah. Again, then again, though, at, at 150 bucks a month, uh, how long does it take to digitize, you know, 3,000 shovel test forms for the month? How long does that take? Probably less than, you know. That's a lot of overhead hours. <laughs> That's a lot of overhead hours. So maybe it is so, worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Who I don't knows? Know. Yeah. Anyway, but, you know, the thing is, aside from taking the point, there's nothing this is doing special data collection-wise that you couldn't do with a spreadsheet app on your iPhone or your yeah. smartphone. You know, I mean, as far as shovel testing goes, you can collect that in pretty much anything and have good data. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. We're we're not really gonna have anything that we endorse on this uh, on this program today. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a rare episode where uh, we complain about things and everything sucks. Yeah, <laughs> this is a call for a uh, cry for help. Is what it is. It yeah. is. We just need a simple application that works. There's probably not another episode after this because <laughs> these apps make us sad. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So the last app we're gonna talk about is one that. It really, um, uh, I hesitate to say it really has anything to do with GIS. Um, it depends on how you define GIS, but it's basically a mapping app, uh, a map display app. Um, the nice thing about, okay, first it's Motion X GPS, okay? And they've got a couple different versions on the App Store. You can get the the paid version, which is Motion X GPS. There's one that just like displays maps. It's like a gps app for your car or something like that you know it'll show you navigation stuff like that but the one i've got and and i've got on all of our tablets um you can easily drop in you can connect to dropbox which is what i did and just um drop in like a a kml file and for those that don't know a kml file or a gpx file are two things that you use like with google earth gpx file is really just a points file for gps's right yeah um it has all the points in it for typical GPSs out there, typically Garmin GPSs, but I think it works with most of them. And 
the KML file is a specific thing to Google Earth, and Google Earth will export KML files, and a lot of mapping applications will save things in KML file, and which is really handy because we've got um, our GIS department saved all of our all of our project boundaries, previously recorded sites, previously recorded road data, um, and previously recorded points, if we had any of those, uh, for our current project area as KML files and GPX files, because if we wanted to drop them on regular GPSs. And um, I dropped them into uh, MotionX GPS, and it works great. It works absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I love this app. I've been using it daily for the past, uh, what, two or three months? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, it's uh, now the one thing you can't do with this is you can't actually record data. You can right. take a waypoint, but you can't record a shape. You know, you can't do anything like that. So you can't do any recording with this. So this is what I said. It does the one thing TerraFlex doesn't do, which is allows you to drop in a background, right? Yeah. You know, the other thing is, it's got GPS, but of course it's the accuracy of your tablet or whatever you're using. If you had a submeter. Um, Bluetooth antenna, then it would retain that accuracy, which is nice. Um, yeah, so its best use seems to be how we're employing it, which is uh, all of our field techs have an iPad with MotionX GPS loaded into it, and you don't need a cell signal uh, because if it's built in with a uh, GPS receiver, then it has you know, basically a plus or minus five meter accuracy. Mm-hmm. Some days, some areas, it has you know less accuracy, but uh, you know with our with our field techs being out there surveying, it really helps them out in understanding the uh, project area and you know how far they have to go and all that. Uh, especially if you have very complex shapes to cover, mm-hmm. uh, so it's really good for you know employing across the base with your field techs. But as far as your person in the field who's recording data this probably isn't your powerhouse app to rely on for you know recording anything right i would say if you're using tablets in the field first off nice job second if they're gps enabled tablets which means they are cellular enabled tablets you don't have to have a cellular data plan but being a cellular enabled tablet gives you the gps antenna otherwise motion extra simply won't work so um even if you tether it to your uh smartphone it, the location kind of works, but it's really flaky. It doesn't work very well. Yeah. Um, so you really need a GPS-enabled tablet. And one of the things I like about it, we've got a lot of really funky area, shape areas. And when we're running a north-south transect and coming up to a really steep line or something like that, traditionally, um, you'd have to have either the person with the trimble on the part that's going to hit the line first, and then they'll walk up the line at an angle and stop people and say, you're on your line. Or more complicated, you could figure it out ahead of time and tell everybody what their stop coordinate is, assuming they all have a regular GPS. Um, or you just, everybody on my crew has iPads. And when we're getting close to the end of the line, usually we can tell because it's always, it's almost often uh, landform based out here. Not always, but sometimes it is. And we can be like, we know we're getting to the end. Flip on your Motion X GPS. It takes a couple seconds to acquire. And then you can stop yourself on your line. And you don't need anybody else to do it for you. And you can line yourself back up too, you know, without any sort of other GPS and just this. Yeah. So it lets you uh, move quickly in the field and somewhat accurately as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I recommend it. There's one other thing I didn't talk about. It will. So it's kind of a funny thing, and I don't know why they did this. It might be a copyright or, or, um, or privacy issue or something like that, but 
One of the things you can do is cache maps, okay? Now, when you look on this thing and you look at the map options, there are lots of options. There's lots of road options, lots of terrain options, lots of, um, uh, I'm pouring more bourbon, so I can't talk right now. Um, <laughs> lots of uh, uh, satellite options. See, you got Bing, Google, um, Apple, Motion X has their own versions, and you can choose from any one of these. The problem is when you cache your maps, and when you cache a map, you can choose the size, like a like a round, um, you know, radius around whatever point you want. You can say, I want a, a 10 mile, 15, 20 mile radius around this point. And then you can choose your zoom levels, your maximum and your minimum zoom level that you want to be able to attain with that cached map, because that's going to decide the size of your cache. You know, if you don't have a lot of space on your device, maybe you don't need to be zoomed all the way out. Maybe you don't need to be zoomed all the way in. Who knows? Yeah. So you can set those zoom levels. The problem is... The only thing it will cache is the shitty, featureless Motion X roadmap, right? It's so frustrating, especially <laughs> if you're in remote areas. Yeah. Like, your ideal background is a 1 to 24,000, you know, 7.5 minute USGS topo quad. <laughs> and uh, you, you're not going to get that on Motion X GPS. Right. Yeah. It's just the, the map that it gives you, especially for the place that we're at, which is... Uh, you know, classified military installation. There's not a lot of information on the map for where we need to be. Yeah. So while we're using this out in the field on this classified military installation, we're walking in abstract space towards, <laughs> you know, our red line of our, our survey polygon. And it's useful enough that we can use it for that, but it would be super helpful if we could have some terrain features yeah. or anything to help guide us. Yeah, I'd love to have a background satellite map. And that's the one thing this is lacking. I can drop in any shape files that I want, or KML files, really, or GPX files. But I can't drop in an image that I've been able to figure out yet. If you yeah. can, and you've used this, and you know how, send us a message and let me know how. We need this. Yeah, we do need this. And Help. maybe I just haven't spent the time to figure it out. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> I've looked all over this thing, and I can't find where you can drop in a different back or a different map as your background. Um, so anyway, I think that's it. It's a, somewhat of a short episode this time. Like I said, we're not going to do our favorite apps, but, um, if you have any ideas for things you want us to talk about, or, um, you want to be a guest on our show because you're using some sort of awesome technology and you want to come in and talk about it, then, uh, then feel free. Any closing thoughts on GIS apps? Nope. Uh, there's a lot of ground to cover. No pun intended. Oh my God. Oh my God. All right, uh, and one more quick thing on Motion X is uh, it is for Apple devices only. Um, it works on iPhone. It works great on iPad. Um, there's special apps for both, so it's not like a, like one app that w tends to work on both. It's it's designed for the iPad or designed for the iPhone, and it's it's it works really well. All right, so that's it. Um, like I said, send us a message, and uh, don't forget to go and either submit an interview or request for an interview for the Profiles and CRM for that iPad or. Go like and share the Archaeology Podcast Network's Facebook page. All right, see you in two weeks. That's it for another episode of the Archaeotech Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash archaeotech. 
If you like the show and want to comment, please do. You can leave comments about this or any other episode on the website or on the iTunes page for this episode. You can also email us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com or use the contact form on the podcast webpage. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or tweet your questions with the hashtag archaeotech or tag at archpodnet in your tweet. Please share the link to this show wherever you saw it. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. You can also type the name of the podcast into your favorite podcasting app and subscribe that way. Don't forget to go over to iTunes and leave a review of the show. It helps us get noticed so more people can find our podcast and benefit from the content. Also, send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US dollars a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info.